It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Odyssey Sports presents Big Time Baseball with former Major Leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. and Odyssey Insider Cody Decker. And we're back. Welcome to another episode of Big Time Baseball. I'm Tony Gwynn Jr. alongside my partner Cody Decker. And we got a great show for you lined up today. Of course, Jacob DeGrum is still the talk of Major League Baseball. We'll get into some of him. Plus, we got another a 40-year-old that's going to be signed as a free agent. If you don't know who it is, you're going to find out here shortly. We'll also run through the league and see where all the teams are. Let me welcome in my partner, Cody Decker. How you doing, Coach? Oh, baby, I'm just living the dream. It's a beautiful day here in Los Angeles. I had a hell of a weekend of watching baseball. Not to mention that listening to you talk up the Padres-Mets series, man. You absolutely killed it this weekend. Good for you, Tony. I, I appreciate it, Cody. That was uh, my first experience getting ever, getting to, to do a game on TV next to the, the great Don Orsillo. And it, uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed myself. I'm looking forward to getting back on the radio with my man Jesse Agler. Uh, remember, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Tony Gwynn Jr. He's at Decker6. And now you can follow this show on Twitter as well. Check us out at RDC underscore BTB. That's Big Time Baseball. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Uh, Code, I, I mean, now I've gotten to see this guy in his last two starts. Uh, I'm talking about Jacob DeGrum. Now, uh, he was excellent. He, you could argue that he was just as good the second time around in New York as he was here in San Diego. However, he did have to leave the game uh, due to some um, some issues with his I, I, it's, it's his elbow, but it was really showing its effect in his fingers and being able to really grip the baseball. He still was unhittable, by the way. He went six innings, gave up nothing uh, on 80 pitches, but it does kind of raise the question, though, right, Code, that uh, a guy who is, I mean, he was throwing like a, he's throwing 100. He's throwing 100, like, consistently. Is he going to basically break down? Can he hold up while he's in his prime right now? 
And that's the question. That's the concerning thing. You mentioned he threw another gem of a game, came out at 80 pitches. You mentioned it's his elbow, but it is his flexor tendon. So it's not a major, major problem. It's definitely not his UCL. But, you know, this is the second time he's had to exit early in a game due to something, you know, nagging or minor. Now, the other one was a slight, you know, back issue or or oblique issue. Now, this time a flexor tendon. And that you raise a very good question. He is. This is not a guy throwing 95 plus. Everybody that tries to train in baseball tries to hit that magical number of 95 plus. He's not throwing 95 plus. He's throwing 101 plus. This guy is doing things that no one else in baseball is doing. And I'd be lying if I said it's not starting to concern me because this is a guy who is, quite frankly, the very best, the very best that we may have ever seen. And we yeah. saw it a couple of years ago with Noah Syndergaard. He even said that he thought it was possible. And I, whether he was joking or not, I'm pretty sure he was right, joking, but right, he's like, right. I bet I can throw 105 by the end of this year. And then he goes out there, extra 15 pounds of muscle on him. He looked fantastic, but he's sitting there throwing 100 and 101. And there goes his lat and he's out for the year. And then he comes back and then he's out for another year with another injury. And he's still being plagued by that injury. Jacob deGrom is throwing even harder with even more wicked stuff. It is absurd what he's doing out there. And quite frankly, there's only so much the human body can take. Uh, I, I'm worried. He talks about he wants to pitch into his 40s. Is he, Are we going to be able to see him to pitch into his mid-30s is my question. Yeah, no, therein lies the the million-dollar question, right? Is As he is I, – I, I, it doesn't seem like he's redlining when he's pitching because his mechanics and his delivery is so smooth and good, but he has to be, right? He's not he doesn't play regular catch at that speed, right? He's got to be pushing the gas pedal down. He's just seemingly learned how to really control it, but I the think the thing that you said the, that that I think resonates the most is the human body is only capable of so much. And Considering we've never seen anybody do what we're seeing DeGrom do right now, it does lead to the question, is 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 he at the tipping point of the human body, right? I mean, this guy is throwing 100, not just, you know, five or six times a game. He's getting into the 20s and 30s. And you mentioned his stuff. He's His, his basically repertoire pitches, he's, he's, basically, he's basically trashed the curveball. And that was the only pitch that was below 90. Everything else is from 90 to 101 between the changeup, the slider, and the four-seam fa- – or just the fastball. I don't even want to call it a four-seam. Sometimes he sinks it. Sometimes he four-seams it. Sometimes he cuts it. Either way, this I, I, we just don't have any data points to really you know, compare him to at this point. So you have to wonder if he can hold, hold up or maintain over the course of this contract, let alone pitching into his 40s. Yeah, and, and you and you mentioned the fact that those numbers, those numbers are absurd. And it's not like, and, and, and here's the thing, we're talking about how incredible Jacob deGrom is and everything he can do, and he's throwing these numbers up at 100, 101, 102 even. But we're pretending, let's not pretend that we haven't seen these numbers before. We have, but right. what we've never seen is a guy who's throwing eight innings into 90 pitches <laughs> starting and still throwing 100. That's just never happened ever. The only guys you've ever seen breaking 100 and sitting in that general area are closers, the Eric right. Gagne's of the 1998s and the and the Troy Percival's of the world. But those are closers that are throwing, you know, three times a week for one inning and maybe throwing 10 to 12 pitches, not going out right. there running 95 plus pitches and still throwing above 99 on your 100th pitch. The other thing that pops in my mind watching the pitch, because in, 
to to be able to maintain that type of velocity, his conditioning must be insane. And I, I haven't had the the privilege of seeing him out running before a game to see what kind of stuff he's doing, but it has to be. We we know no one who has been able to maintain that level of velocity, as you said, over the course of eight innings. No one. There has been no one that's ever done it, at least on record. So his conditioning must be through the roof. And so as we start having this conversation about pitching into his thirties or pitching into his forties, I, I I don't necessarily think that's going to be the issue. I think the question is, can he be as dominant? Uh, I I was racking my brain about this earlier. It's hard to when you say dominant. I'm thinking of what we're seeing from him now at the age of forty. I don't see that being possible. I can't think of anybody who's ever played this game. I mean, I've you've heard stories about you know, Satchel Page and, and things of that nature, pitching into his 40s, still being dominant. But I've never seen it with my own eyes. You know what I'm Me saying? I've never, I've never seen anybody in their 40s be, quote-unquote, dominant at that age. It just doesn't happen very often in the game of baseball. You don't really see a guy in their 40s being a velocity guy, in fact. Right. The, the only guys that immediately come to mind when I think of guys in their 40s, I think of the Greg Maddoxes of the world, a finesse guy who could eat a lot of innings, get a lot of ground outs, and you know not waste too many pitches. I think of Tom Glavin. I think of Jamie Moyer you know, sitting up there tossing 85 miles per hour and just getting guys to ground out nonstop. I, I can't think of a single guy that was throwing into the you know high 90s into their 40s, let alone being dominant. It's it's knuckleballers that you see in their 40s. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. You don't you don't see high velocity guys airing it out and and being forget forget 100. We don't you barely see them above 92. You know, I I think Randy Johnson got to his 40. He might be one of the few that I can remember still throwing with some velocity at that age. But uh, it, it's very Far, few and, and far between, which segues perfectly into our next subject. We're speaking of 40s, Joe Bimel, who, mm-hmm. by the way, uh, I believe my dad's the last homer of his career. That is a fact. That is a 100% fact. <laughs> I remember this like it was yesterday. It was my dad's very last start of his career in Pittsburgh. Uh, he, he ends up, I think he ends up going three for five that day, but he hit a homer, his very last homer. It was off of Joe Bimel. Fast forward to 2021. By the way, my dad retired in 2001. So 20 years ago, 20 years ago, my dad hits his last homer and fast forward 20 years now. Uh, Joe Biden was sounds like he's about to sign with the San Diego Padres. Uh, it's not about. He has signed with the San Diego Padres. He is going to be uh, reporting apparently to Double A San Antonio at 44 years old. Now, guys, here's the thing. Those of you who are listening right now to Big Time Baseball and don't know about the other stuff I do on the side, I run a baseball and softball nonprofit in El Paso, Texas, which is the AAA affiliate city for the San Diego Padres. I played there in 14 and 15. I kind of fell in love with the city. And I still maintain a very good relationship with the Padres and their AAA affiliate. And part of my thing was I wanted to bring Joe Bimel with me to El Paso to help these kids and learn and, and get more modern metrics. And Joe runs a facility called Bimel Elite Athletics along with Brent Dean. He's been at the forefront of uh, pitching metrics, strength and conditioning and recovery for the past six years. And when I say that we just finished talking about DeGrom and gaining velocity and what it takes to actually gain that velocity, the amount of strength and conditioning you have to do and the amount of recovery is staggering. I mean, we're, you're, you're talking about five hour days 
six days a week just to wow. be able to maintain this. And Joe at 44 does his own program and he's still throwing 95. In fact, he throws harder now than he did when he retired. His last game he threw was in AAA in 2016 for the Royals organization. He's been retired ever since. He even told me the story of his last game. He said he was playing in Omaha, threw a slider, gave up a home run over the center field wall, saw it go. And he just said, this just isn't fun anymore. <laughs> he mm. just packed it in and called it a day. And he's been still training and working with players, pro guys, college guys, high school guys. And then every once in a while, while he's still doing all his work, he would get on the mound and just show people what's up. Somebody's, you know, talking some trash. He gets on the mound, K's him on three pitches. And it, when I say this is not, this isn't the rookie on like, steroids it's insane <laughs> like what he's been able to do it, it, he's at 44 years old doing his own program throwing harder than he ever has he's been looked at by countless amounts of teams and he has had a few offers over the last couple of years then next thing you know about a month ago i brought a group of el paso players to el paso for to uh, scottsdale to play against the israel uh, olympic team and joe pitched an inning and looked great. And I think that being at that field and throwing and competing again got the juices flowing because I hadn't a bat against Zach Weiss, and it made me think, maybe I should go back and play. <laughs> well, listen, if if either if you decide to do so, you have my support 100%. I won't be joining you. I can tell you that much, though. Uh, I changed my mind really quick. Don't worry. I, 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 I woke up the next morning. I'm like, oh, is this how it feels again? Okay, I'm good. I'm good. You want me to do? You want me to do this every day? Yeah, oh, no. no. Pass, pass. Uh, well, you know, at some point, we're gonna have to get Joe on here to talk about, you know, how he's been able to kind of, uh, in some ways, reinvent himself, right, to get back to a position where a big league ball club would want to want to bring you back. And seems like we got the the inside information on that, man. So uh, it's, the only thing I'm mad about, and I told you, is that Dennis Lynn scooped me. <laughs> San Diego's Dennis Lynn came right in and undercut me. I've been sitting on this story for a month, a whole month. I was so, so excited to break this story. And then Dennis Lynn just comes right in with a, with a dagger right in between my ribs. Leave it to Dennis to, to, to somehow get the scoop that you've been sitting on literally for a month. Like literally have known about this more than quit faster than everybody else uh, knew about it knew before everybody else knew i had a and photo of his jersey before <laughs> dennis lynn even had the the story and i'm sitting here on it i'm like i'm gonna be good to my friend i'm gonna wait till that. he signs officially and and i'll be the cool <laughs> guy that put it out there and then dennis lynn hearing rumors oh damn it dennis lynn <laughs> <laughs> shout out to dennis lynn out there the athletic hey real quick uh something that's been going on around in baseball that uh Pro not probably would have definitely been frowned upon uh, when you and I were in this game in the thick of it. Um, it seems that we're starting to get kind of players turning on other players as it pertains to the, you know, the sticky situation with the ball, stealing signs. Um, listen, I, I, I'm, uh, I think the game needs to have uh, some, I guess, rules actually honored. Uh, to in terms of this whole pitching thing, but it it does it is a little bit different than the way we came up in the game. It was you know kind of like protect your own. It's in some ways it's kind of good to see that guys are willing to stand out on their own and and, and really say what, what's really going on. There's a combination of two things in this, and and you're right. This is not something that we're very used to. We, we you know we came up in an era, and you know you've been around you've been around the program game way longer than I have. But, you know, we were around in an era where, you know, you you have to kind of protect 
everybody in the game, even if you wholeheartedly disagree right. with what they're doing. A thousand um, percent. You know, during my time, I didn't see a ton of steroid use, but I did see a little. And some of it I saw and didn't even know that I was seeing it. It was, you know, I had a player who was a part of the biogenesis scandal who was sucking on gummies before games. And it turns out mm. those gummies were laced with, you know, HGH. And that's something that really never sat well with me because I, I've, I've always prided myself of going about my business and doing the right thing. But there was also then my back of my head. I'm like, you know, if I ever got caught, doing something like steroids or cheating or whatever it could be, they're going to look at all my numbers that I've put up for years that I've worked and, and, and powered through, and they're going to put that all into question. And it's not, and I'm not no longer going to be the guy that grinded through that never got the chance. I was going to be the guy that never should have been there in the first place because I was cheating all along anyway. So that was something that legitimately scared me. Um, but I didn't want to throw anyone else under the bus, but there were a lot right. of things that bugged me. I, I remember there was one time I faced a pitcher who was clearly doctoring a ball like so, so much to the point where I actually knew this guy well. And he was throwing pitches that I knew he did not have in his arsenal. <laughs> he and <laughs> That's a that's a that's a red flag immediately. Yeah. I just stepped out. I'm like, I caught your bullpens all offseason, asshole. You cheater. And and he got caught, by the way, in that game. And I'll never forget it. I got a text after the game. He's like, why did you have to do that? And I'm like, dude, I had nothing to do with it. You were just really bad at it. Right, right. Um, like, maybe try to hide it a little bit more. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things that, yeah, you don't rat out, guys, but we're at a point now where there's a lot of money out there, guys. There's there's This is people's livelihoods and careers we're talking about. You know, we talked about the Astros scandal and the player, even that player uh, for the Blue Jays who ended up suing the Astros because he showed his at-bats. They knew everything that was coming and he never got a chance at the big league again because he got labeled with that stigma that he can't pitch at this level. He absolutely can. Anyone that plays above double A can play at the big league level and stay there. It's just a matter of opportunity and being, quite frankly, the right place at the right time. Um, but there is a, a downside to this with players kind of turning on each other. And, I, you know, it's a dark side of baseball that there is a CBA coming up. And the last thing you want for the players is to be turning on each other right before the collective bargaining agreement. And that's, that is what I'm getting at is... Ultimately, that was a lot. Uh, I think that had a big reason, at least from my standpoint, why the guys didn't turn on one another because ultimately there was a bigger picture at hand. Like, yes. once the steroid thing got out of hand, it things had to be done that way, right? Because now within that CBA, after it's done, right, you now have the inner competition, and that's where it starts to affect the individual. It's like, okay, well. My numbers are, I know I'm just as good as this guy, but his numbers are being aided by a performance enhancer. And so now you're dealing with the kind of one-on-one -on -one kind of individual battles. But I think at this particular time, it comes at a bad time, right? Because there is a collective bargaining, uh, bargaining agreement that needs to be completed. And you do need everybody on the same page. That's part of the reason why Major League baseball players association has been so powerful for so long is because they've had, they've been united no matter what the scenario was, they've always been on the same page. If that starts to kind of fracture a little bit, as you've seen in, in the NFL, for instance, um, that could be, it could be all bad for the players moving forward. So, at, so in one, at one side of my mouth, I'm saying, well, you know, the doctoring of the baseballs and, and the 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 
the the line that's been crossed beyond sunscreen and, and pine tar and rosin needs to be handled. But at the same time, it's like you guys do know at the end of this season, there's a collective bar agreement that you got to come to a, 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 an agreement on. And y'all need to be on the same page when it comes to all of this stuff at the yeah, end and, of the day. And the sad thing is, and that's this is the thing that I think casual fans have a problem with. Let's and don't really quite see and understand that you know they don't see that there is a lot of there is a lot of darkness to baseball. In the business aspect, it can get very dark on both sides. Sure. I think the players' association and the owners' side, and both sides very often play themselves against each other and it's an ugly ugly situation sometimes um and i think that's what we're getting right now i mean i i don't know if there's anyone specifically but keep in mind the doctoring of the baseballs has been happening for 20 years it's not a coincidence it's happening it's really being brought to the forefront right before our cba and you're watching the players turn on each other it could be a very ugly situation and that's something that i'm really worried about players absolutely and, and, and the thing is we can't look at all these things. We can't look at the steroid era and this this new era of changing baseballs in this in this era of doctoring baseballs as a black and white situation because as right, much as right. we want it to be one, it just not. isn't. Right. Yeah. No, and that's how it's always been and 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 really unless you have the opportunity to be inside, it may not be a thing that you'll ever understand to be quite frank, but uh, you know, that's what Cody and I are here for to try to try to yeah. help you kind of navigate your way through it. Um, let's take a look, a quick look around the league. Uh, let's start in the American League East race, staying first. Yankees seem like they continue to struggle to get swept in a little two game set out in Philadelphia. And uh, man, the Rays, uh, they're still they're still doing it, man. It's 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 really crazy. It really they're is. just a team that just knows how to win, and it's just and, and look at the numbers. Look at their offensive numbers. There's nothing about those offensive numbers that immediately jumps out at you. It's no right. no one guy is carrying that team. You look at guys that are hitting 175 that are making the same impact that the guys that are hitting 290 are. It is it is a truly collective team over there in Tampa Bay. And the only thing that makes me sad is they're in Tampa Bay and no one's paying attention to them. <laughs> right. We won't pay attention to, to watch. Them. Yeah. We won't pay attention to them until it comes to October when they're in the playoffs. Cause yeah, other than that, they're, they're really, unless there's a marquee matchup. And even then, like if it's in Tampa, Tampa, they're, they're not going to watch it. They, they almost have to be on the road someplace for people to sit down and actually, and actually watch the Rays play. Yeah, he's got to be playing in a city where the, fa- the where the city itself knows there's the baseball team there, which is helpful. <laughs> he's got to go to a Chicago or a New York. And speaking of New York, you just mentioned the Yankees floundering. Boy, it, it, they are just what a disappointment. We, you know, we've talked about uh, already on this show on Big Time Baseball how about how offense is down and all the myriad of reasons why it is down. And of course, there's the baseballs changing. There's doctoring of baseballs. A lot of people want to point at. Um, people hunting quote unquote launch angle. And I think that's actually the least, uh, least thing happening in baseball. You know, trying to say that major league teams don't have offensive metrics and knows exactly what they're trying to accomplish. I think that about every team except the Yankees. That team is built for one thing and one thing only, and that's the long ball. And if they're not hitting the long ball, they do not win. Yeah, no, they don't. They don't. And uh, that team for, you know, really the last couple of seasons has been really dictated around their offense and the offense just hasn't been what it was, you know, the previous, what, three seasons where they were one of the, the juggernauts that kept moving through the, the league. So um, I don't know what to make of the Yankees. I know there's still a lot of baseball left, but at this point, the way the Rays are playing, um, not only that, there's two teams that 
two other teams aside from the Rays that might be better than the Yankees at this point, Toronto and Boston. So Yeah, we, we didn't uh, expect much from the Red Sox this year, but you can't deny that they are not putting together one hell of a season. They're one game away from 40 wins. I wasn't certain they were going to win 40 games this year. Right, Look at this right. team. They're still going out there, and they've lost a couple lately, and they're still only you know three games behind the Rays. Yeah, no, they're, they're playing some good ball. Um, Alex Cora clearly is a difference maker on that bench. And you can't say that about every manager that's uh, that's managing a team right now. He clearly has the ear of his ball club, and they have surprised a lot of people. Let's move to the American League Central. White Sox continue to actually separate themselves from the rest of that that division. Uh, Minnesota continues. They're, they have the same record as the Detroit Tigers. I, you could you couldn't have you couldn't have paid me to say something like that earlier in this season before he got going. Um, but never clearly, in a million years would yeah. I have expected this. No, not at all. And the White Sox, I think we expect it to be this good, and they've lived up to the expectation, despite what some would say is some boneheadness by Tony Larusa in terms of. Uh, you know, not really protecting his guys, quote unquote. Not to, but not to mention, he's also cost his team about three games of wins that he they should have had well at hand. One of which was simply because he didn't know the new uh, extra inning rules. Like yeah. that's, <laughs> and this is still a team separating themselves, which you knew was going to happen. This team is right. just too talented. Uh, the Indians will stick around a little bit, but I just I only see more separation coming in that division. Let's jump to uh, let's go to National League. Um, the Giants, they are, I think they're for real at this point. Um, even as they've started to have injury and, and some of the pitchers have started to kind of come back down to earth, they're still finding a way to win games. They still have a guy like Brandon Crawford having a terrific bounce back season. Buster Posey, after taking a year off, seems refreshed. It's still the same story. They 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 outpitch you most nights and they play good D. It's hard. They don't make very many mistakes. And they match up. We had we had we had Farid on on the show a couple weeks back, and that's one of the things he talked about. He likes the aggressiveness of Gabe Kapler. You bring in a you started a lefty and you decide to bring in a righty in the fourth. Gabe's going to match up even at that point, and it's mm-hmm. worked to their benefit in a big way. They still lead the the National League West. It's working. You you mentioned, you know, they have to be a little more clever. They don't have the superstar lineup that they once did, like the Dodgers or the Padres do. So they gotta be they gotta beat you by being clever, and they are doing it. And I agree with you. I think they're real. I I've always said, do not sleep on this team. Yeah, you're on will, it. Yeah, they will bite you right in the ass, and they have done nothing but that. And they've even made a couple of little sneaky moves this year. That move with the Yankees to get Mike Talkman might not have been splashy, oh, but woo. Mike Talkman is a good ball player that brings a lot to the table. I had the opportunity to play with this kid. A bit of a type A personality, a bit of a weird guy, but man, when he gets on that field, he puts pressure on every defense that he plays against. He could run, he, he could hit, and he could play defense, man. He he looked when he's first his first game was against the Padres after that. That trade and he looked like a Yankee. I was like, this dude is you you said type A personality. I mean, if looks could show what a type A personality looks like, he would be the poster boy for it. Because that's the first thing for I never met the guy in my life, but that's the first thing I thought when I saw him. And then when you watch him play, man, he's he's fun to watch. I, I like watching ball. him play. He's a good ball player, he defends very well, he can hit. Um, it's been a good that's been a solid, that's a good call. Solid, solid pickup yeah. by the a big Giants. Fan of that move. Big fan yeah, of that, that move. And again, he's not he's not that star player. He's not going to be the guy that's going to hit you 35, but he's a guy that's going to help you get over the hump and win a couple of games late 
in the I season. I tell you what, he's one of the few guys in that lineup that Gabe Kapler leaves in regardless of whether it's a lefty or righty. I can tell you that. That mm-hmm. that's and and that says a lot for that Giants team, as I said, who match up like at a drop of a dime. And he's one of the guys that gets to stay in the lineup. Says says a lot about him. NL Central, I think, has been a surprise, right? I mean, I had the Brewers being up there. I think we all kind of punted on the Cubs because of the way they treated their offseason. Uh-huh. I mean, they they moved you Darvish. They've been talking about trading Baez and and Rizzo and and Brian, and all of a sudden, all three of those guys are balling. And this team is playing some legit baseball. Thirty eight and twenty seven, tied for first with Milwaukee. The 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 Reds are third. The Cardinals have hit, hit a hit a slide here. They fall below below five hundred for the first time all season long. And uh, this Cubs team, man, I, what is this front office going to do? Because you know they don't want to add anymore, but they may be in the position where they have to. You might have no choice but to add, which might be Jed Hoyer's least favorite words he's going to hear. You have no choice but to add. This team will not stop winning, and it's awesome because, again, we all punted. I punted on him. I'm like, this team has no shot. This team is going to be right around Pirates territory, and look what they are doing. Unbelievable. Think about this. Not only did they just sweep the Cardinals at home this weekend, knocking the Cardinals below 500, but on top of that, they've also, at Wrigley this year, swept the Pirates. Padres, the Mets, and the Dodgers. This is a team that we all punted on, and they beat the best in the National League quite handedly. They're 11-1 against those teams. That is not what was supposed to happen in Chicago. And look what we're getting out of this team. I'm just, they are so much fun. Everybody's staffing up. Yesterday, Zach Davies throwing a gem of a ball game. Uh, Another name you didn't mention, Jock Peterson, also having himself a bit of a comeback season. Go ahead, Jock. Yeah, I'm happy for him, too, because... You know, he was basically labeled as a guy who couldn't hit lefties uh, in Chicago or in L.A., and they've given him an opportunity, and he's shown well. I tell you what, they came to San Diego. The Padres played them. They got swept in Chicago. I think they lost two or three here. Uh, That team, their championship pedigree comes through when they get into tight situations. You can just see it. Rizzo, Bryant. Uh, and, and by the way, the Padres didn't even see Baez when he came when they came down here. He missed all three games because of the thumb injury. Um, that team's good. Zach Davies yeah. s- started getting it rolling against the Padres, and he has been he was solid. He was solid for the Padres last year, so it's not really a surprise to me. But certainly, uh, Cubs Brewers right now seem to be duking it out. The Reds kind of got hot there. I gotta say, I love watching Jesse Winker hit. This dude is he, he just got a nice stroke man he's there are certain guys in the league that i i enjoy watching conducting at bat uh winker juan soto is who's my favorite to watch conducting at bat um they're a lot of fun to watch man those dudes can hit i also am a big fan of castellanos which i know is the easy and obvious person to point at but what that guy is doing this season is just staggering and i'm kind of on the i i know this is not going to be a popular opinion because I, you know, we're not expecting much out of the Reds this year. They're one game over 500 right now in a division that does look attainable. You know, the Cubs, we're talking about them a lot because they're just a very, quite frankly, a sexy story. But we're, we keep mentioning that we know the Brewers are a playoff team. They've won nine of their last 10, and we're barely even mentioning them. That's how excited we are about these other teams in the Central right now, including the Reds. But if the Reds do fall off, do you think that Nick Cassianos could be on the trade block? Do you think someone would want to, t- I mean, obviously someone will want to take him on, but do you think the Reds would be willing to do it? That's a good question. Uh, I think they would be because they're that they're in that type of market where 
when they get into these type of situations, it's in their best interest to to move a guy and try to get something for him. Um, but he did just sign the deal there, so that may be a reason to hang on to him. And I and you know I I take it you sign there uh, alongside with the money that you get to go there. Uh, that's a great hitter's ballpark. Like does 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 Nick really want to have to leave that place? Uh, that he's having a career year right now. It'll be it'll be interesting to see because you're right. I don't think the the Reds will be able to stay close on, on this one, but. Uh, I do think that it could be an option for teams to, to go after Castillo because you know he'd be a great addition. He likes playing in those type of games too when when they matter most. All right, before we get out of here, I got to air one of my grievances uh, that I'm seeing far too often in Major League Baseball this year. Uh, pitchers, young pitchers out there, <laughs> aspire to be uh, a Major League Baseball player at some, Major League pitcher at some point, even a collegiate pitcher. Do yourself a favor. If you give up a ball out of the hand and you see it hit and there is even the slightest chance that this ball goes over the wall, don't point to the sky. It's a <laughs> it's a really, really bad look, right? I saw Quato do it twice yesterday in, a, in the, in, in the uh, Nationals game. Two balls that had no business being pointed at. They were never pop-ups. They were always going over the wall. I've seen it a lot. I've I've actually had to call my man CeCe Sabathia a couple of times to just vent about it because he's seeing the same thing I am. I'm just saying, let's stop it, guys. If, if, you give up a, if you give up a hard hit ball in the air, just you know, let your outfielder go catch it if you think it's a pop-up. But don't point and then have it go 17 rolls in the stands. It just doesn't make any sense to me. To be fair, there might be another way of looking at this. One, yesterday, specifically Johnny Cueto was basically a one-man Benny Hill sketch. He was just he, – he, did you see the bunt play he tried to make? He was not having his best day. I didn't see that. Oh, it's go back and watch it. it. He kicks it four times, drops it twice, and then he's pointing at home runs going over the wall. And it just wasn't Johnny Cueto's day. To say right, the I'll least. Ch- I'll ch- I chalked it up as a bad day for Johnny. But you are right. But here's my other count. Counterpoint on that. Perhaps Johnny Cueto gave up the pitch and just said, Oh, baby, look at this. Look where this one's going to go. <laughs> there always is that chance that he's admiring it. He's like, Ooh, sky. he got that one. I'm going to point at this until it lands. Now, now, talking to you before we came on the show, there is a hitter equivalence to this. There is. There? And it's it's one of my largest pet peeves in baseball. <laughs> and you will, and everybody who is listening to this, watch any baseball game tonight. You will see it at least five times. And I hate it. It's when a hitter's in the batter's box and, you know, whenever a pitcher gives up the pop-up, you know, points at the pop-up that goes over the wall. Great. This is a hitter's version of that. And that is when he gets in the box, gets a, takes a strike that's borderline and might question the call, but doesn't quite and immediately puts his head down and starts nodding his head up and down. Yep. Yep. That was a strike. I agree. Yeah, it was a strike. I agree with this guy. I don't even need to look at the umpire. I agree with him. That was a strike. I, I took it on purpose. <laughs> and it's that, like it's like you, he needs everybody to know that yeah i know i don't i don't care about it i'm i'm good i'm good i'm good i'm, I'm, good. I'm still i'm just gonna make something happen here yeah i'm just behind <laughs> the count i'll be fine it's it's good it's good who's on the mountain <laughs> wrong okay i'm only i'm only down one pitch we're we're, we're fine right <laughs> it's it's like it's like it's like almost, watching a squirrel play. he's almost convincing himself as much as he's convincing everybody else yeah he, I, when you see a guy do that he's usually in deep trouble <laughs> I have seen it. I've seen it a lot. You're absolutely right. So both pitchers and hitters out there, let's let's be uh, aware 
little have a little more awareness of of how we look doing certain things. It it'll go it'll go a long long way. I can only uh, imagine how many stupid things that I looked like when I did on the field. Like I I don't think I probably looked good doing anything well, playing you baseball. You know you know what's funny, Cody is the the guy nodding his head. That was me. Uh, I I did that. I did that a lot. I did that a lot. I did that a lot. So. See, me, so I, I, I did I did a lot of other things that were just the worst. The, you know, somebody, again, somebody asked me about pimping a home run. He's like, you hit a couple balls over 500 feet. Why didn't you pimp those? I'm like, because in the back of my head, there was a voice that said, what if it hits a bird and you're not in the second base? <laughs> See, that is the paranoid baseball player. I'm that guy, too. I mean, I didn't hit as many home runs as you did in minor leagues, but I tell you what, the ones I did hit, that was always in my mind. You better run because what if a, a, a 20 mile an hour gust comes in and knocks this ball down? You, you're you going to look stupid being on first base. You better at least be on second, especially as the fast guy. You can't just be on first base after you hit a ball that far. You got to trust me. Play second. one season in San Antonio at the Wolf. You will never want to pimp a home run for the rest of your life because that place just eats home runs, makes them routine fly out. So I, t- I think that's where I learned. Yeah, I'm just going to try and get on second just in case. Right. All right. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Big Time Baseball. Remember, you can follow myself at Tony Gwynn Jr. He's at Decker6. And again, you can follow this uh, this podcast on Twitter as well. Check us out at RDC underscore BTB. That's Big Time Baseball. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Until next week, we'll talk to you then. Take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.